the poet David White has a great poem where he talks about like, you have a house, which is your life. And then when you have get married or have kids, like you're adding other rooms to this house and you have to relearn. It's not like you're adding a wing. You just like fully moved into a new kind of house. And so you're having to bring your whole self with your career and your passions and stuff, but into this living space with all these other people. And you're just having to relearn how to do all that together. And so I just had a mantra that was like, they're not in the way, they are the way. Love is the way. And so um, your work is, it, it's not in the way of your work, it's, it's assisting with your work. Yep. <laughs> you gotta bring up our fight. I mean, I'm usually right, but that's cool. <laughs> It's not gonna happen. Never, no way. Let's go back. Don't share that story. Hang on, did I go too fast? You just jumped to purpose, which is you. You're a visionary. I see your connection here. (laughs) Love or work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. And today is going to be a very special day. Yes? Yeah. Why is that? Because it's a Friday. (laughs) We record on Fridays, yes. But those listening, it's probably not. And if you know us, if you know us, Friday is pizza day. Oh, yes. We grill out pizza now. Yeah, we grill. We've been doing this new pizza on the grill. Not just a grill, the Komodo Joe. (laughs) He's very proud of this. Yeah, it's a red grill. So that's what we do. We, we, every Friday night, family tradition is movie and pizza. That's what we do. Yep. So We've been you're, doing that you're for a already while. thinking about it. I've been thinking about dinner. It's what? Uh, <laughs> two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> this is so typical. Ready, ready, ready. This is for so Friday typical of Jeff. As soon as like one meal is done, he's already thinking about the next. Well, you know, s- some people would say that I'm a good planner. <laughs> yeah. That's one sure. thing about the Shinnebars. A lot of people, uh, they make fun of us because we're very structured in when we eat. No, you are very structured. And, and by you, you I mean we. We all, we kind of have a rhythm to the family. You are very structured. It's what I call a rhythm of success. People laugh and make fun of Jeff because it will literally be 5.02 and he is like no. getting very hungry. No, we eat lunch at noon. We eat dinner at 5.30. That's what we do at the I know, but house. at 5.02, you're already like, what's for dinner? I'm hungry. Dinner better be cooking. But this like, is a thing. That kind of this thing. is a thing. Because some people don't eat dinner until 8, 9 o'clock at night. Yes, which like most of the world, I think. No. No. <laughs> I think you're right. That, that's like you saying like most of the okay, world gets up at 10 idea. in the morning. I think you, along with the Generation 65 Plus, eat dinner at 5.30. Everybody else eats dinner later. Well, 530. <laughs> 530. This is for Isn't all our that close friends. The early bird like, special for a reason. Yeah, you get a good deal on dinner. 65 and plus. <laughs> 65 and over. Uh, you know, a lot of people that eat dinner at nine o'clock consider the happy hour when you drink. But why would that be happy? I mean, I want to have You're hungry. I want to have some food. That makes me happy. <laughs> I'll show you happy hour. Give me two for one wings. Okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Today, we got a good one. We got a great interview here with Scott and Holly Erickson. So, Scott is an artist, and he is known on Instagram as at Scott the Painter. And look up his Instagram feed because it's amazing. Um, and he also has a book coming out October 20th called Honest Advent. 
And then Holly is a food blogger and her blog is called The Modern Proper. It's a beautiful blog. Yeah, it's really pretty. I mean, made me hungry. You're getting hungry. Uh, that's why I started. At- I was looking at their. I was looking at her. <laughs> that's uh, why, because you were looking and at I was the like, blog oh, post. What are we having for dinner? Oh, it's pizza night. <laughs> <laughs> so, what should we be listening for? Well, I, you know, I always share three things. I'm just going to give you three words today, and it's going to sum up in an amazing way. Three words. Oh, three Hang words. On. Just so you know. This I'm in the middle of doing this. Andre grabs my pen, starts scraping things from my piece of paper. Like, babe, this is my segment. You don't oh, get to determine what I get. You're changing it. I'm just giving them three words, three very important words that oh, they need to I be listening to. I thought we were listening for three things. Three words. Oh, just three words. Okay. Snip, <laughs> snap. Oh boy. Snip. That's all they need to know. Snip, snap, snip. This is game changing content right here. Okay. You're going to laugh. All right, here we go. We got Holly and Scott Erickson. Snip, snap, snip. I found myself after college and Bible school living in Europe, uh, living in Seattle, working, and uh, I ended up helping, like I was like a volunteer at a college ministry in Seattle called The Inn. And through that, there was connection to some other women and this like house that Holly lived at. So we kind of met through this, these connections and stuff, just through this kind of like ministry, community, church community, that kind of stuff. And uh, it culminated one night, uh, a a friend of mine who knew Holly, we're all going to go out. We went out to the Ram bar and grill and I sat next to Holly and another girl, Molly. I just remember the whole time. Oh my gosh. Oh my. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to say the right name. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that from that conversation, uh, I, I ended up seeing Holly like a few more times uh, over the next few months. And then we just like she was about to leave. Uh, she was going to finish uh, massage therapy school and then travel with a friend for three and a half months in Europe. And uh, around that time, I was like, hey, I this this gal, Holly. And so uh, we kind of hung out the week before you're going to leave. We hung- you were also going to Europe. Yeah, I was going to go to Europe for a little bit. So the week before she left, we hung out every day. And then I was like, hey, can I just correspond with you while you're traveling? And I was a teacher at the time. So I tried to write really funny emails because I remember backpacking in Europe and like emails meant a lot when you'd stop at an internet cafe. Yeah. This is before the smartphones. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then I ended up extending my ticket. And so then we... Our first date was in Amsterdam. Our first date was in Amsterdam. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, and that's kind of when we start we started dating from that time. Yeah, I if it wasn't for Scott, I wouldn't be going to the internet cafe every day, but we're like, find an internet cafe because I because he was emailing me every day. So it was like three months of emails back and forth. Yeah. Because we really didn't know each other that well. No. Before and, I left, and I, I would, I'd be in my classroom during prep period, just trying to like write a really funny email. I'd just be like, "What would make her laugh?" Because uh, I remember when I lived in Europe, like getting an email or something really funny just would like make my day. So I tried to write like funny things about being a teacher and things that were happening. Because you would have to pay for a time, and your yeah. emails back were like, "I spent the whole time reading your email. I just have this really quick one back." <laughs> Did you think he was funny and like, or what? Yeah. could you tell he was trying a little bit? <laughs> oh, probably both. But yeah. the first, that first night that I met him or hung out with him at the Ram, I told my mom that night 
that I met the guy I was going to marry. Can so. you imagine that? Wow. wow. So it was, it was like, I don't know. It was just the emails were getting to know his personality better, but I kind of already knew. And she had already seen this bod. It was like, <laughs> that's the one for me. <laughs> and you were kind of the same, Scott, or did it take you a while before you kind of felt that? Uh, I thought Holly, I thought Holly thought I was an idiot because anytime I would see her, I would talk to her and she would like close up and not talk back. And that's just because she got nervous. I just thought she was like, because I knew she was outgoing. I was like, oh, she just thinks I'm an idiot. So so I kind of saw her over a few months. And then I think it's when we like hung out with some friends and we went karaoke Mm -hmm. and stuff. And I was like, there's something about that. Molly, I mean Holly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, how long have you been married now? Almost fifteen years. Okay, wow. and how many kids? We kiddos. Okay. So let's get right into it. Holly, what's it like being married to an artist? Oh. Like, what have you learned about kind of interacting with him? And because I know there's people listening that they're they're with a partner that. Super creative. Super creative. Yeah. I mean, there's part of like the first part of our marriage, a large part. When did the Enneagram come out? Like four years ago? Well, some people say thousands. Of I was going to say yeah. <laughs> hundreds of years ago. When did probably we discover we it? got into it. It was probably like four or five years ago. Five, I think yeah. for me, I'm definitely not an Enneagram person that's like, oh, you're a five and you're a this. But I think there was something about just having that, like, oh, Scott's an Enneagram 4, and a lot of artists are. And I think that really helped me realize, like, oh, this is why, like, the emotional ups and downs, or I feel like I've always been really supportive of your Oh, art. yeah. Holly's always been my, sh- she's been my sugar mama for most of Well, I'm not saying. And, like, times I, I'm just well, saying and times I wanted to quit. Yeah. Like, even now, moving to Austin of top priority for her was like, we need to find a space that for you to have a studio. Mm-hmm. Like we need to find a house that has a studio space for you. Yeah. The only thing finished our house is that studio. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? What's your number? Yeah. I'm a two with a three wing. Okay. She's the, the hostess with the mostest. So basically like identifying, like there's things that he needs support that he needs to be able to do what he's meant to do. Yeah, And there's a, when there's the emotional ha- highs and lows knowing that that comes from like a, the way his mind works like oh it's creative it's active it's this it's that it's strong the emotions are strong though what like i don't know just learning we've definitely learned how to for me to be not as reactive or for you to be i don't know just however we have learned what's what that's like for you and when you're vulnerable and share with me what's going on in your artist brain mm-hmm. The, haunt, the haunting. The haunting. <laughs> the haunting. Yeah. Tell us about the haunting. Well, it's like a, a joke I say when I speak about creativity, where I, I would just be like, I'm an artist mostly because I'm a haunted person. Like, because every day things come to me and they're like, make me. And I'm like, I can't. I'm driving right now. I'll get an accident. <laughs> it's like, make me or we'll go away. And I'm like, fine. And I pull over and I pull out my sketch pad. And it's, it's a bit of a joke, but it's actually true that happens. Whereas I've come to realize like I'm a part of some kind of rhythm dance conversation with, you could say God, but it, I, the name doesn't, you know, the muse, the genius, whatever, whatever you want to call it, like 
there's some kind of interaction and I'm just making myself available to that. And often I just feel like I'm trying to release the haunting. Like there's this mm-hmm. idea and it's like, oh, why is this here with me? And if I find like it's something I'm supposed to give myself to, then that's my effort is to like bring that to fruition. So that's in like other people don't have that haunting, I guess. Yeah. And so uh, that's just kind of how I've come to understand the particularities of it as like a, as like a rhythm of my life, but then now it's my vocation. So then I have to think through like, well, what are the revenue streams for this haunting? And, you know, there's all of that. So, um, but I think what Holly's alluding to is that, and, and yeah, the Enneagram really helped. Uh, my favorite quote about the Enneagram is like Ian Cron who said, none of this is true. It's just really helpful. Like yes. it's just, you know, it's not, it's not some Gattaca, like you're going to, you like, you have to be this, you'll never change. It's right. more of like, this is really helpful to understand yourself. And I think understanding the emotions, the deep emotional landscape of a four is to go, and, and somebody who's more even keel is to go, I would, Holly goes, I think she would think that Scott feels a lot in mm-hmm. intensely, but none of those, not all of those have to be weighted the same. Mm-hmm. Because throughout the day, there's going to be this flux of emotions. And so how can I hear it and not be like triggered by it going, well, that's such a strong emotion. What does that mean? He's like, maybe he just is feeling a lot and he needs to take the time to go. Yeah. Okay, how well, did you regulate that, Holly? Because I would feel very triggered by that, I think. How did you, <laughs> rec- yeah. I mean, how did you like figure that out? I mean, not just the Enneagram, but like really I mean, practically. I think, that, I think that there have been times in our marriages, in our marriage where I have been very triggered, but mm-hmm. it's been that what I was saying is that there's, you know, we've had this 15 years to kind of, I've figured out how he works, you know, as an, as an artist yeah. better and therapy. I don't know. I mean, I've done a lot of work myself with figuring out what triggers me and why it triggers me and a lot of shadow self stuff and inner child stuff. That's like, why is that triggering me? And why, why is his, you know, moody times where he's feeling more depressed? Why is that making me so irritated or agitated or Mm. instead of just learning like that's, you know, that's what he's like. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Well, it's true. I mean, we can just like acknowledge it in our spouse and we could just be like, well, that's just them and just consistently be agitated or annoyed by it. Or we can do like what you're saying, that inner work and being like, okay, what do I need to learn about myself versus just always kind of looking at your partner, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I recently in the last year actually read a book called Codependent No More. Mm -hmm. um, And that actually was very helpful learning where I'm codependent and his, you know, up and down kind of has made me more up and down as well. And just realizing that if I remove the codependency that then it's probably easier to be married to. Hmm. I feel like we've been ping ponging in therapy. Uh, I started therapy eight, nine, 10 years ago. I burned out at a church uh, and ended up leaving that for a number of other reasons. But uh, I went and worked for World Vision, which was great because it just was like a nine to five job and I could leave it at the office, but it also had really good health care and I could start going to a therapist. And that was 
really helpful for me, giving me a tool set on dealing with myself. And then I, uh, and then I think we've kind of both been doing therapy. Like last year, Holly was like, I really want to just like work on a lot of things. So she set upon, um, starting with some programs and doing some things and, it's been like a year and, and it's been really surprising as like COVID's come around that she's really addressed a lot of like her own triggers, her own thought processes. And now, and like in with like a loss of some of my career or some certain things and stuff, she's like, you know, <laughs> so she's like, you know, what you're hitting on is things I've had on. You should, you should be working on this. Now. <laughs> and that's like, you should be doing that yeah. And it's really, so I'll come to her and be like, I'm feeling this way. And I think it's this. And she's like helping me figure those stuff out. And so I feel like we both like kind of been ping ponging through therapy and counseling and then knowing ourselves better and then being able to address, not being so threatened by the other person or triggered by the other person when they are doing the thing going, I think you have this in you that you're working through. You should, here's some things you should do to do work, mm. like start engaging with them. Yeah. Sky, as an artist, I know you've, um, you know, you developed a show around some of the interest, introspection that you've had in your life and that sharing it with others. I mean, I think one thing I've always appreciated about your art is, you know, I think like you have this amazing ability to listen to what's happening culturally and give words and images to it. Um, can you talk about that responsibility and, and how does that feel when people kind of react to that and, and connect with it? That's a really great question. Cause I, uh, I, you know, in my times by myself, I teeter on that of like, uh, like what is my responsibility to the greater culture? I mean, if, I think the first place the artist always starts is, um, if you're going to invite an audience into transformation, you must be willing to do it yourself. So I start with like my own life and, or those I'm closest with their conversations, or maybe I'll hear something from somebody and going, yeah, that is a really interesting thing you're talking about. And then, uh, and then what I, what I will do is go for me as a visual art maker, I, I, I go, how do we see that? How would we image that? And then there's this um, kind of letting letting it wrestle around in me and stuff. And then and then I'll, I'll it's for me like the pursuit to make an image of it is like my own therapy or my own working it out. And then when I find that it's come, I can I image it and I go, this is really helpful for me. Then I think about how could I share this with like a larger audience. So the first place it starts, it has to be with me. Um, and I know that gets complicated or that's different when you're going to like assume a narrative of somebody else's uh, experience in the world, their gender, their race, they're part of the planet they live on. Um, so, but yet I still think you're like engaged, you're finding the, the human places you connect and go, well, yeah, when you say that, um, this is this is how I feel invited to it. And where could I come from this point of the invitation into that larger thing? So, yeah, hmm. I, I don't know if I set out upon that, but I started, uh, I found that like my work was helpful for people. So, hmm. um, so I do think that there's kind of built in, like leave an aspect of my life that's open and going, I could be helping. I could be a helpful translator for a certain segment of society. I would say even for some people, potentially healing, which is a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, Holly, I think you're also super creative. I mean, your blog is called The Modern Proper and you have, I mean, I'm like looking at some of your images and getting hungry, but you have very like, it's art, your recipes, your food, your things that you're doing. Tell us a little bit about that and what like that brings out in you, what, what that work does for you. The creative work of running a food blog. <laughs> Um, yeah, I started a food blog like eight years ago with a friend and in the beginning we were, um, I think it's just been like honing in on what really makes me excited. Like in the beginning she was doing the photography and then we shared the photography. And then three years ago I was like, you know, the photography does not really excite me. Like she was getting better and better and better at it. And I, was just like, oh, it's more stressful for me. Although I would have loved to have figured, you know, figured out how to be a better photographer. I was realizing that what really lit me up was, you know, when people would come over for dinner or we would host a dinner party, it was putting together the menu and like coming up with new things and like, you know, going, oh, we want to make a whatever dish and then researching a ton of dishes and like adding in more flavors or different flavors or whatever it was, I was realizing that that's what really made me excited was like more of the recipe development. And, um, so as our business has grown and changed, um, that's really, we've kind of taken our own parts and that's kind of what made it us able to move to Austin was that, you know, I was coming on Wednesdays where we were cooking the food together, um, and styling the food. And we have another gal that works with us on Wednesdays, um, or used to when I used to be there. But, um, when we started talking about moving to Austin was because I would start coming and doing more of the, um, computer work and the recipe development and was researching recipe ideas. And that's what made me really excited. So I think that I've yeah, I, I think that it's just kind of been a, not a roller coaster, but like a, a ride of sorts with creativity because it, a lot of it is, you know, computer work and other things to run a food blog. But I think that I've really, I've read a lot of books about um, the spirit of food and all kinds of books about kind of this creativity <laughs> and what food does to people. And I really, I just love being a part of, of that work. Well, it's interesting you talk about uh, you kind of brought up moving to Austin. I mean, I, I've through Scott, I've kind of seen you guys make a few big life changes. Uh-huh. Um, one from I guess moving from Houston to Portland. I might miss something, but and then yeah. most recently Portland to Austin. Right, those are big, um, big life choices. And I think a lot of people in the pandemic season they're they're going, is this where I want to be? Is this what we're yeah. gonna do? I'd yeah. love to hear. Th- from you guys, like, how did you, how do you process through those major shifts as a couple? How, what, what, how did you, how did you work that out? Yeah, that's, oh, that's a good question because it, the conversation with us started over a year ago, like mm-hmm. June, 2019. I came to Austin in July last year. Yeah, but, but, but it was even in June, we were like, we lived right outside of Portland, Vancouver, Washington, but it's just, you know, it's eight miles, um, like Eminem. And we, uh, <laughs> Holly just was like, I'm feeling unsettled. And I was like, I am, I am too. 
And the last time we really felt this feeling together was when we lived in Seattle. And, um, and then I met uh, Chris C., a pastor in Houston, and he offered me a job in Houston. And we prayed through it for like three months and made that move to Houston for three years. We're both from the Northwest. So Holly's from Portland. I'm from Seattle. And so, so then like leaving Houston was like, let's go back to our families. And then we've been there for That like was years. fairly easy because I was about to give birth to our second child in 10 weeks. And we were like, yeah. let's move. We made a pretty quick decision to get back to our family in the Northwest. So this time we were like, well, maybe something's happening again. Maybe we're being uprooted to leave or maybe just something's not working. So we tried to like, uh, for the next year, we were like discerning and we tried to make more of a commitment to being involved in our community and things. And, and yet Holly visited some friends here in Austin that we have. And I came to Austin too. And she, she just came to a spot where she was like, and this is like early this year was like, I, I really, I really want to move to Austin. And I wasn't there <laughs> yet. I was like, no. And, um, and, uh, and then, and then we just kept talking and discerning and then, and then some things happened to me. Like I had some experiences and stuff and I was like, all right. So I think as a couple, like we're paying attention to, um, I guess we would say like where we're being led by the divine. And sometimes that comes through one of us first and, and the other has to give respect like this is oh you have to be vulnerable uh we have a third child uh jo- our son jones he is 6 years from five, us, and five and a half from our daughter um holly came to me a few like 4 years after our daughter had been born and she's like i think i would like another kid and i was like huh, that's funny i've already had a vasectomy <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah but that can be changed. I'm like, that's a dumb idea. Oh my and goodness. Andre, do not get it, any ideas in this conversation for the record. <laughs> I've had a vasectomy. I, there's no, I'm not in the reversal. I want to keep hearing you, but I just want to make sure. It's a long, so, but I was like inwardly like hell no. But <laughs> I, but in that moment I've heard my, I felt like something in my spirit said, you might be led to do something and it's coming through your wife. You need to pay attention. Like you need to discern. And so she's just like, I just think you should, all I want you to do is consider it and pray for the rest of the year. And cause I was like, my heart is not into it. And my heart changed over like five months. And yeah, I ended up in a small town in Oklahoma <laughs> on a table for 90 minutes. Oh, oh my no. goodness. <laughs> Listening to low grade soft worship music uh, <laughs> while the testicles were reconnected to <laughs> and, uh, and then a few <laughs> months yeah yeah my vast difference and then yeah so I've snip snap snipped but like snip, snap, and that's snip. and it's funny <laughs> and comical it's snip snap until it happens to you <laughs> it's not the way that I would have expected it but and I wouldn't say like and then God wanted my testicles to be I, I, God was like, in my infinite plans, I'd love for Scott Erickson to have three testicle surgeries. You know, like that wasn't, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like, there was an invitation and it was coming through my life partner. And I think you, what you have to do is go, is go, hmm, let's, okay, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to open myself up to seeing what's happening. And I think we've both done that throughout our lives. Um, and so this move was really like, it started 
kind of with both of us, but it, it was coming through Holly and then, and then like some things like I was on a trip in Indiana and like had a conversation with a friend on the phone and like something clicked in me. I was like, Oh yeah. And so when I came back, I was like, yeah, I can can play that. Which it Um, sounds like what I hear you guys saying is like, you guys have had all these life for the record. I didn't know that asking about Austin was going to lead to a testicle conversation, but that's a whole different, (laughs) you know, sometimes you never know where it's going to take you. By Uh, the way, I, I know. Give you I know how to do the procedure. You know, so oh, any you day. <laughs> oh my god! You let me know if anybody needs some help. But it sounds like that. What you're explaining, this is like part of how the two of you work. It seems like, yeah. like it's this constant. I mean, correct. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like there's a constant flow of um, deep feeling, deep emotion. Uh, deep energy and and potentially calling in decision making um, and the communication and working that out together. Is that a fair way to explain it? Uh-huh. Yeah. I would describe it as an energy for sure. Yeah. I mean, I can see throughout our, because we're both self-employed. Um, so we're, we're our own bosses. And uh, there are times where I remember when we were in Vancouver and I don't know if the modern proper had monetized yet, but like it definitely was, and it wasn't like, I'm the male of the family, I make the money. But I had this deep sense where I was like, look, provision's going to come through me for this season. And you need to like, let yourself not feel the pressure to feel like you have to be adding um, or like offering something. You, you need to understand like the first four years of our marriage, I was like trying to do artist full artistry full time. And Holly was my sugar mama. Like she had the banging job. So it's been this like back and forth, back and forth. But then uh, like just recently, like you, like you've had a lot of, I don't know. I just remember like things were going really well for you and kind of space open for me. And I was like, I think, I think for this season, I need to uh, support you and what you're doing. And and so we were always like in conversation, not necessarily like calm and pleasant. Like, you know, there's, it, it's, it's the mystery and there's frustrations and, you know, we, you guys, I know you guys have kids and we have three kids and, you know, it, it's almost every day is like, I wish I had more time, you know, like that's just a part of it. But we, we are definitely discerning, um, like even Holly, I'm, I'm, I'm always just really overwhelmed like a month ago. She just, she's like, I booked, she's like, Hey, I booked you a, a Airbnb in town. Just go for two nights and go do work. I know you've like, we, we've just been around kids nonstop for four, four or five months. I know you need like some space. And so she's just like, do it. I'll be fine. Just go. Yeah. You know, I, and yeah. then, like that was nothing I felt like worthy of doing, but I did it and it was what I needed for sure. Yeah. You know, so there's this kind of, and then like, she's like, I need this. I'm like, great. I got the kids for the next three days, like, or, or two days, you know, I'm just like, yeah, do what, what do you need to do? So we're, we're constantly in that conversation, especially now, you know, with distance learning and um, COVID and all that stuff. Yeah. It's a lot of communication for sure. You know, if I knew that Scott was going to wake up and be at work from nine to five every day, then I would work my schedule accordingly but because we both work for ourselves like I just told him earlier today I'm like hey I've been schooling our kids started school on Tuesday distance learning and it's taking me today was shorter but it took me the last two days like five hours to school them 
And so I told him, I was like, Hey, my week kind of got jacked. So I need tomorrow all day to work. And he's like, okay. So I was like, great. Uh, yeah. A lot of I'll, communication. I'll, I will be with the chillins the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you wish, what do you wish you would have known before you got married that you know now? oh gosh I think for me I would probably just say I mean everything is subjective to like my business could totally fall apart you know given Google does an algorithm change or something and it's like oh all of our blog traffic (laughs) went away and our ad revenue or I don't know, whatever, like the pandemic hit and now Scott's not traveling. And all of a sudden, all of that financial provision is out the window. I think for me, mine would probably lean more towards all of the worry that I had the first 10, 12 years of our marriage about income and financing. And are we going to be okay? Is this like what we've created and we've been working on? Like, are we going to be able to sustain this life that we want to live and be able to travel and be able to raise our kids a certain way and be able to go out on the date nights and the dinners or whatever. And I think I would, if I was telling my future self 15 years later, I would just be like, it's going to be a little bit of a bumpy wild ride. I mean, we've been on food stamps before. We've been on state health insurance before, but to see us now where we're at, you know, Scott has a couple of books out. He's has another book coming out. Our blog is in a good space. And to look at us now and think, oh my gosh, we both work for ourselves. We have this crazy freedom to do so much that of just the things that we want to do. And we're home with our kids and it's, it just seems like it's working really well. I think I would just tell my future self, like, I wish I would have known that 15 years later, like, it's going to be okay. Like, everything's going to be just fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Is that you, Scott? Is that the same answer for you? Mm, I mean, I definitely hit on the money anxiety. I think I would tell myself about marriage. Marriage. Um, (laughs) Like, is it, wait, the question is, like, what would I tell my younger self about? No, it's, well, yeah. Oh, what should I wish I would have known? Besides, I would have told you probably told yourself not to get that first vasectomy. That would <laughs> yeah. <be> awesome. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Those four years of, you know, stop. Um, <laughs> no protection sex were great. Uh, <laughs> Yes. It's well worth it. <laughs> well worth it. A 15-minute surgery is not so bad. <laughs> right? Oh. I mean, it's like a week of recovery, but yeah. It's great. <laughs> I I'm not sh- I'm not sure how to answer. It's all been surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh I think I th- I mean, I really think like I, I knew this too, but I I think what uh so much of uh, marriage is like friendship. And I think that's, uh, that like, I think we even had a moment last year when I was like, man, do we just run like a bit, like a real estate business together and a childcare service? <laughs> like, are we, are we even <laughs> friends? I mean, we are, but we're, I was like, we just have not 
I think it was at a time where we're like, we need to do some friend stuff. Cause like, we're not even, it's just like two, 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 you yeah. know? And yeah. A logistics, lot of, a lot of logistics, tasks, right? logistics. Yeah. And I will say one of the surprising outcomes of the pandemic is we've just spent a lot of freaking time together with our families too, you know, and there are, cause you're not traveling. Cause I'm not, I'm not traveling and we're just around each other and nor can we kind of get away from each other. And so I feel like we are in a good spot where we really enjoy each other. There are moments, you know, every day is like a paradox where I'm just like, I miss society, you know, and then I'll just have long times with my children. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this is sweet. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, That's I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not like, but I wish I was being more successful. I don't know. You know, it's just, it's a mix of emotions about it, but yeah. 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 I mean, as an artist, is it hard for you to like, how do you define success? I think, I think that's always so hard, right? Because you're putting like big ideas and big things out there in the world, but then you're like, but will you pay money for that? I mean, how do you? Based on his physical response, I think you just stressed him out in that question. I don't know. I'm trying <laughs> He's to like out. rubbing his eyes. <laughs> I need to take He's a like... drink right now. Well, Jeff and I have just been having this conversation. Hold on, let me open this bottle of whiskey. And... I know. Well, Jeff and I have been having this conversation because we have a book that just came out. And, yeah. you know, we we don't want to just sit there and define success as some trivial like Amazon list, you know, like I, we think that's stupid, but then we're also like, but then how do you say that something is successful? I don't know. We're, we're struggling yeah. through that and talking a lot about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and thank you for sending us a book. I've been, uh, working through it. It's great. Uh, and I think it's all the right questions and conversations. I, I, yeah. Like I had to have this conversation with myself, which was, um, like, I don't, I don't know where this is all And I have some, we have a shared term called expanders. I mean, I have some people I see, I'm like, I hope my career kind of looks like that. But, um, but I was like, I don't really know where it's going. And when people would be like, where do you want to be in 10 years? Like, I hate that question. I'm like, I don't know. Like, what if I grew a tail and I had a whole like tail uh, career that I never thought saw coming. (laughs) But, uh, but what what I have found, what I what I said, uh, there is actually a rhythm of life that feels successful to me, and I would like to engage in that rhythm. And so it's more about less about the goal and more about like I can't believe this is happening. Like I have a a, a painting in my studio uh, that just says I get to, uh, because mm-hmm. I was talking with my friend Chase Reeves and and I was bemoaning something about being a professional artist or full-time artist. And he's like, yeah, but you get to. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you're doing it. That's like what so many people just want to get to. You're like, you're doing it. You get to. And so I just made a sign that says, I get to, which reminds me of like, isn't this so amazing? And I had a moment yesterday with uh, a friend who I read his book. His name's Nate Staniforth. He read, wrote a book called Here's Real Magic. And it was like my favorite book. I, it was my favorite book I read like okay. three years ago. I reached out to him. Now we're friends. Now we do a show together. And he just read my book and he's just like, I think your book's really special. I think it's going to be amazing. And I was telling Holly, I was like, how? I was like, I'm having an enchanted day where like my favorite author 
is now my friend. And he told me like this, I love this book so much. And I was like, that's, so it's not necessarily this, like, I don't know how many book sales, you know, like, cause you guys got a book out. There's always like, how much going to sell and stuff. But the enchantedness for me is like, look at what's happening and how did this all happen? Yeah. Look at the connections that came about that were unexpected. So what do you mean though, when you say the rhythms, like what is the rhythm of life that you're talking about that feels successful? What do you mean by that? That's yeah. Um, And it changes right now because uh, like I'm not doing traveling things. So I've, I've had to ask like, well, what other things can I make in this time? Um, I guess, uh, I think I work better instead of it's just sometimes like I have to, I'm have to now start writing on another uh, book project. So I'll start engaging. Like I need a few hours. I need to find my hours every day to be like writing and processing, you know, but that'll be like a season. That's not like this is this next seven years. I'm going to have this set schedule. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I have seasonal things. I have like, projects and things and art shows that are like up on this board or laid out and going, okay, in December, I need to start engaging with that. And then I talked to a film producer today about a poster thing. I was like, okay, I need to start engaging with that in a couple weeks. And so it's this kind of, uh, but then also it's like, I'm home all day long and our children are around and we have date nights and stuff. So it's never this like set kind of thing. It's more of like, look at all these things coming into my life and, and being a part of and then going out and there's always new things and stuff. So I, I guess I'm butting up against the model that was like work is from this time to this time and then you're home. Yeah. And I've, I'm actually okay going, uh, what I've learned from having three children is work is less like eight hours in a row. And it's more like you get an hour here and then you got to make breakfast and then you take them to school and then you get like an hour and a half and then you got to change a diaper and then you got to do something. And then you get maybe like 45 minutes. And then like, we talk to our friends who just like watch tons of TV at night. And like, we're like, what? We work until like one in the morning or like, we're always up late doing things. Cause that's just what our lives are like right now. This, you know? in- this idea of rhythm of success. I mean, I think probably potentially before the pandemic, you were like, this is a rhythm of success. I'm traveling. I'm bringing income in this way, which has its own tensions on your relationship. Uh, I'm curious in those seasons for you guys, how do you two stay connected when, I mean, a lot of the income comes in when Scott, specifically for Scott, when you're traveling. So what does, how do you guys stay connected in that time? Do you want to speak to that? Um, I mean, I think that we connect on the phone a couple times a day while you're on your trip. Yeah. And then the day or two when he comes back, it's normally like there can be a lot of misunderstandings and a lot of tension because it's like, I've been in a flow with the kids doing whatever for four days and you've been gone. And it's almost like reintroducing back into (laughs) <laughs> it's like a sa- family it's like unit. a sailor dad who came back is like oh, i've been in the high seas uh, but yeah. honestly the more time that went by and the more he traveled the more we just got used to our rhythms like you know the kids were no longer sad in the evening because they were all allowed to sleep in bed with me um <laughs> like they knew like we just got we just had our own rhythms and sometimes i would i would have really highs and lows where when Scott was gone, because sometimes I would feel like 
you know, the worst parent on the planet. And other times I would remind myself, look, like you're single parenting right now for four days. And I'm like, you're a badass. Like, you're, yeah. you know, and I, and I would go to bed that night feeling amazing because I'm like, everything went fairly smooth today. And, yeah. you know, and so I think there was just like, it, it was all about rhythms and having just, it was going on for so long. You had been traveling for so long. Yeah, last, last year was like, I had a lot of travel last year. In fact, too much. So we also got to, it was like, oh, we're learning how to do this. And also we learned that's actually too much. So this year I started, I mean, and all travel. We knew the book was happening. So we were like, we didn't know the pandemic was happening, but we were like, oh, you'll. We we talked and was like, let's set some rules. So only, you only leave twice a month. And then it was just like, and then, and, but also in learning the rhythms, like when I came home, I, I would just work really hard when I left. And then when I came home, I was just like, I'm home. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of That's good. friends that I was like, I love that, what, that he travels because he's home a lot during the week, like just present with the kids because he's been gone for four days. So then it's like, I guess the, the trade-off would be like a nine to five. And, but we have friends whose husbands work nine to five and it's like, you know, they basically wake up, feed the kids breakfast, drop them off at school. They don't see them again until like six o'clock at night, it's dinner. And then they're in bed by seven 30 because they have school the next day. Yeah. And so it's kind of like this trade off, like dad's going to be gone for four days. When he comes home, he's taking, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday off. Like when you're done with school, you can just play with dad nonstop. I, I don't know. It's yeah, just, yeah. It was just a different... And on yeah. weekends that you weren't traveling, it, you would take the kids a lot so that I could get work done. So it's just, yeah, it's just a lot of, trade-off and communicating again and figuring out our schedules. Can I speak to the success thing? Yeah. I actually had this in my show say yes. Cause I, I dealt with it where, where I just, I had to reframe because I feel like as an artist, you're always like, there's quantifiable hours to create stuff and being in relationship with other people is going to take away from that. And I just had to start this phrasing where I said, my kids, because often inwardly, I'll be like, oh, why are you guys in the way, you know? And then I had to change that to go like, my children aren't in the way, they are the way. This is, this is the way I'm learning to be a new kind of human in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, David, the poet David White has a great poem where he talks about like, you have a house, which is your life. And then when you have get married or have kids, like, you're adding other rooms to this house and you have to relearn. It's not like you're adding a wing. You just like fully moved into a new kind of house. And so you're having to bring your whole self with your career and your passions and stuff, but into this living space with all these other people. And you're just having to relearn how to do all that together. So I just had a mantra that was like, they're not in the way they are the way love is the way. And so, um, your work is, it's not in the way of your work. It's, it's assisting with your work. I will, can, and I'll say like one of the things I learned uh, about the gift of having three kids is like, I can't do everything. So I had to get really specific with what I thought I could accomplish. For example, I have a t-shirt idea every single day, but at the end of my life on my deathbed, I don't want to have had made a t-shirt every day. So oh, I would this realize, is exactly Jeff. Yeah. So what I realized is like, I have way more ideas than time. So I have to just go, that's nice. And I'll put it in an Evernote or something like that. But it it makes me go, well, what do you want to do the most? And that helps me get in touch with that internal compass. That's like, this is what you want to do the most. And so, um, and I think that 
we've both had to do that, which is like, we could do lots of different things, but it's like, what do you want to do the most? And Holly's had to take her business and go, we could do all these kinds of things with blogging and food, but what do we really love the most? And I could be like, I could do all these images and performances, but what do I want to do? That's, that's what it's cost us to do. That's yeah. really, that's really good. I can relate with the t-shirt thing. Although I will say that my t-shirt idea, the daddy doula t-shirt would have been huge. <laughs> it would have been huge. I should have done it. I still should have done daddy it. Daddy doula. But Andre, shut yeah. it down, but we should have done the daddy doula t-shirt. He was so proud of himself. After. Daddy doula? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he yeah. like was like my doula for birthing yeah. our child. Yeah, and he, been was, huge. he was one, so proud of himself. Is there a lot of doulas that are men? No. That's, <laughs> that's exactly. See? Holly was the doula for a little bit. So I was like, <laughs> that's oh, the whole point. Daddy. He's daddy doula. All right, that, that was a great segue to our final question. We always ask everyone, we finish every interview in this way, is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? We'd like to hear from each of you. I think it's possible to change a piece of the world. That's good. <laughs> like, change the world, I don't know how to do that, but I could change the part of the world that I'm having an influence or being able to touch. And, and from what I've seen from all the like wisdom teachers, they're like, if you want to change the world, like change yourself mm -hmm. and work on yourself. And, and so I think that, I mean, I think this is the paradox though, where, where it's like, it's a really tough question because you see, you know, we'll like applaud Steve Jobs, but then his kids are like, that's eh, kind of a dick. I don't know. You know, and like, <laughs> yes, this is exactly why we're so, asking like, this. We make, we make documentaries about really cool artists and innovators, but their children on the other side are like, oh, I wish dad was around more. And I, I do think that's the real tension. But I also see that, that like, what proves that people are phonies is uh, they have this outward facing persona and then in, internally are hidden away as this just dysfunction and devastation. And so uh, I never really said a, about to be like any kind of professional spiritual person, although it's in my work. But for me, it always comes back to like, what do I have to say if my wife is mad at me and my kids feel alienated from me? <laughs> what do I have to say about being a whole person? So it's like this closeness to these people is the way in which I can help offer something to the world. Mm -hmm. So that's... Holly, you look like you've been pondering this deeply. I I'd wrote it down. Um, I mean, I would say, yes, it is possible to do all three of those things. I feel like some of it is luck mm. and some of it, a lot of it is work. Um, I think the, the changing the world, I mean, even if you weren't changing anything outside of your own family, the raising a family well piece is like, you know, if you're intentional on how you raise the family, then you technically are changing the world, one very small portion of it. Um, but I, I would say, yes, I feel like the stay in love is, again, part luck. I was just talking with a friend yesterday about, um, you know, the people who stay together for a really, really, really long time. It takes work, yes, but like if you have that um, chemistry then some people just luck out finding that we were talking about how young I turned 24 on our honeymoon. And my friend was saying, you were a baby. And I was like, I know, but 
somehow I lucked out or I knew or I don't know. I just first day. And we were talking about how many people feel like they know, you know, when they're 23 and then it doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely not like a, you know, it's okay to get divorced, but I don't necessarily think that it's not okay to get divorced. I've learned that it's like, it's just people change and they grow and some people get really lucky and they find the person that they're going to stay in love with for the rest of their life. And they're going to, like Scott and I joke all the time about how some people get sad when they become empty nesters and how excited we're going to be. <laughs> yeah. When we finally become empty nesters, because we're like, we can travel together and just like not have to worry about yeah. dealing with the kids. We can just have fun together and do all the things we want to do. And we also say, oh my gosh, we love our three kids so much and so glad we had a third. But I also tell people a lot when they're like considering not having kids, I'm like, oh man, Scott and I would have, we would have done such a good job being like a couple in this world, running our businesses, not having kids. Mm -hmm. But we, I I didn't want to choose that. I was a nanny for 10 years. I knew I wanted to have a family. I love them so much, but I also think there's, I mean, I guess that's, that's a choice is what I'm saying, but. Oh yeah. No, I had a moment where I realized that most of my heroes didn't have kids. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need to find other heroes because it's easy to see this person making all of this stuff. But I'm like, I, yeah, I'm always like when Holly shows me something that's really cool, I'll be like, do they have children? Cause <laughs> I just, I'm like, yes, if you have this time, I get it. But yes. like, I think there's a different, you know, your, your friends, the riches, you know, Jonathan rich, he's always like the single best thing I'll ever do is, is be a dad to these kids. And, I hated that when he told me that, but it's slowly working on me. I don't know. You know, like it's, it's an interesting statement that he makes. Cause I'm like, what is success and, and, and what are the rubrics for that and stuff? So, and, and then I would like to add, yeah, I think like we just, we feel lucky that we just really like each other mm-hmm. yeah. and that, and that, that, that does feel like luck in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's work to, to keep, be curious about each other and keep learning and asking and walking alongside. But I just, yeah, I think we've just grown into like, we like being around each other, which is lucky. Okay. And now it's time for the breakdown. Well, you heard it, folks. Snip, snap, snap. It all's coming back to me now. Listen, that is not coming back to me. That Are that, you ready for that procedure? No, not, <laughs> listen, there's no repeat vesic re- no, redo. We don't do that. Not in the Schindelberger house. <laughs> We're two and through, as Jeff always says. Two kids, two and through. We're thankful for those two. Very thankful. And we're happy to babysit yours if we need a night. But we have a good family and we're thankful for it. So anyway, <laughs> what did we learn from Scott and Holly? Oh, I really liked our success talk um, about what feels successful. What'd you like about it? That was very vague. I get to. Mm. That feels really, really good just thinking about that. That's a good sign to have. Scott, if you're listening, which I doubt he's going to listen to this in the future, but (laughs) if he does listen to it, I think whatever that sign is, you should mass produce that. I need a copy. Because, yeah, I think a lot of us would put that up in our spaces. I think it's such a good reminder for purpose-minded individuals because sometimes we get hate, we we hate doing all the stuff that we get to do, 
But having a shift in perspective, I wish I had that in my office. Yeah. That says, wow, I get to. It's a, it's a but mindset change. But also it change. tethers you to the present moment and reminds you of the goodness that is happening right here, right now. Instead of being always looking for, like, like looking forward and anxious and thinking about what could be happening in the future or not happening in the future, I think it tethers you to the right now. I was thinking when I get opportunities that come at me, regardless of what it is, if I had that question and I asked myself consistently, do I feel like I have to do this or do I feel like I get to do this? I think it would determine my decisions better. Oh, that's good. Kind of switched it up right there. Yeah. Well, switcheroo. <laughs> Let me say something I learned. I loved he said this at the very beginning. Um, not every feeling is weighted the same. Yes. And I think that's such a really healthy thing for us to remember. Like, we all have highs and lows in a day. If we gave everything the most weight, it would weigh us down. Mm-hmm. But if we can kind of start to compartmentalize a little bit and go, is that a big deal or is that not a big deal? You know, mm. and be a little more selective in, in which feelings overtake us or, yeah. or really weigh on us. I think that could be a healthy thing for me, at least. I'm not sure if it'd be healthy for everybody. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think this is an amazing episode for those who are married or together in partnership with the Enneagram 4 person, like the artist creative person that is, you know, how to, you know, they have a lot of ebbs and flows in the emotions and learning how to not be reactive in those ways and to realize that there are rhythms that you can kind of set up and 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 have in place that helps in those times, you know? Yeah. I like so that. many good things, so many wise thoughts. These two are really, they're really making it happen. I also liked... My kids, when he said, my kids aren't in the way, they are the way. I thought that was really, really beautiful, like a way to go through life, learning from our kids, making sure that they're a part of life with us Mm. and engaging them in in all those aspects. Uh, Well, this has been a great episode. Scott Holly, thank you so much. Go get Scott's new book, right? Yes, it is called Honest Advent, but it's out October 20th. So you can pre-order. You can go ahead and pre-order now for sure. Um, And then that's another episode of Love Love or Work. Yep. This episode was recorded by our favorite, Matt Owen, for Soul Graffiti Productions.